You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, this morning to 2 Kings chapter 20, as we're going to discuss making God big, how we can make God big in our lives. You know, yesterday I had an opportunity um, to do something fun with my kids. I love to go hiking with my boys. And uh, so we went out for a little bit of a walk over around, uh, not really hiking, it's more of a walk. The real hiking happened with uh, Kurt and Aaron and, and uh, Nick this weekend. They went to the uh, Appalachians and went hiking up there for a while. And, uh, and so me, in my um, great, great shape that I am, I just went to Sally's Y and walked the trail. Uh, but I did it with my kids, and it was a whole heck of a lot of fun. One of the things that I have found as I walk around with my kids is that there's no phones. We put the phones aside so you're forced to talk. And, and, and we start sharing memories. We start talking about experiences that we've had as a family that, we, that really stand out to us. And for them, they were telling me about uh, learning how to surf in Hawaii. That was like one of their favorite memories. And, and uh, my youngest at that time was four years old. And we'd go take him surfing. And, uh, and so when he wanted to go surf, what I would have to do is I would grab him by his hand. I'd have my surfboard in my other hand. We'd have to walk out over the rocks because on the big island of Hawaii, it's not the white sand beaches that you see on TV. There's a lot of rocks. So I would grab him by the hand. I would walk him over the rocks. Then I would put him on the surfboard. And I'd wait for the waves to, to dissipate. And at the right time, I would jump onto the board. I would secure him. I would paddle out through the surf. And then I would wait for the perfect wave. And when that perfect wave came, I would turn around and I would paddle and we'd catch the waves. But do you know what my son would say when he got to shore? He'd run up to his mom and he'd say, Mom, look what I did. I went surfing. I paddled out. I caught the waves. I'm looking at this kid going, no, you did not. Right? I, who did it? I did it. But I didn't say anything to him. You know why? Because he was four. He was four. You don't do that to a kid. Because it's kind of cute. But what's not cute is when you and I, as grown adults, you and I, as maturing Christians... Do the same thing with the Lord. Look what I did. I've done this and I've done that. I've accomplished this goal. I've achieved this. And we forget that all along the way, it was God who gave life to whatever we did. That it was He who moved through us. And so we get trapped into thinking that we are all that in a bucket of fries, as my kids would say. The reality is this. Every achievement, every great thing that's come your way, every blessing that's been bestowed upon you, understand this, it's a gift from God. And without his movement, without his his moving on our behalf, how many of you know we wouldn't have much? But we have a tendency, don't we, to shine the spotlight on ourselves. Uh, we don't like to admit that. I get it. We don't, we don't like to admit it. We would, not, none of us would like to think that we have an ounce of pride in us. How many of you feel like you don't have any pride in you? Yeah, you knew what was coming next. That's why you didn't raise your hand. <laughs> we don't like to feel like we have an ounce of pride in us. And yet the reality is, if we're not careful, you and I can find ourselves boasting and bragging 
about ourselves. How, how many of you have ever sat down and had a conversation with somebody whose beginning sentence and ending sentence is me or I? And, and it just kind of goes on. It's not even a conversation. It's more like a monologue, right? It's just like them going on and on and on about their achievements, on and on and on about what they're doing, on and on and on. And like the only thing you're trying to figure out is how can I excuse myself from this conversation, right? You'll think of anything like, like I, you know what, excuse me, I'm sorry. I, I just realized I think that my milk has expired at home. I got to go check it, right? You'll use any, any excuse you can to get out of that conversation. Why? Because it's nauseating. It's nauseating. And I wonder how many times in my life have I ever found myself being the one who's nauseating others because I have forgotten that the source of everything good in my life is from him. Everything good for me. Listen, if you don't remember anything I say in this sermon, you don't remember a darn thing, remember this. You cannot limit yourself faster in life than lying to yourself about who you are. You cannot limit yourself faster in life than lying to yourself about who you are. Don't get me wrong. I know, I know almost all of you in here. And you guys are awesome. I love watching you step into your God-given assignments. I love watching your families thrive. I love what I've seen in you. But can I tell you something? What I know that as great as you are, our God is greater and he's allowing you to do great things because of him. It's he that is moving greatly through your life. And nothing will limit you more than lying to yourself about that fact. It's going to limit you in so many different ways. It'll limit you in your marriages. It'll limit you in your friendships at school. It'll, it'll limit you in your, in your ability to be intimate with God. Because the moment in my life that I begin to think that I myself am a God, my intimacy with the real true God becomes distorted. It becomes distant. And so the reality is, is when pride or arrogance or boasting begins to rise up within us, we have to deal with it and deal with it fast. My, my, how many of you guys enjoy, if you haven't been to Hawaii, at least you enjoy aquariums. You, you like seeing fish and all, all of them. So for, for purposes other than sushi, you, you like aquarium. Okay. <clears throat> so one of the fish that we've always found fascinating, my kids have always liked, are puffer fish. Have you ever seen a puffer fish? And how small they are, right? But then they, they suck in all this air and they can expand to be huge and intimidate predators. Uh, they're not just cute, but they're also deadly. Because inside puffer fishes, is it puffer fishes? No, it's puffer fish okay um fish eye no puffer fish puffer fish okay anyways when they get filled up there's so much toxins within them in fact to such deadly toxins that the toxins are deadlier than 12,000 times the potency of cyanide not crazy one puffer fish can kill 30 individuals just with the toxins in it. How many of you know that when we allow that toxicity of pride into our lives and we puff ourselves up, we're just as dangerous to ourselves and to those around us. And, 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 and it's no wonder that John Stott once said this, pride is your greatest enemy. Pride is your greatest enemy. <laughs> Meaning...
What we're saying is you don't want to be prideful because it's an enemy and humility is your greatest friend. If it has any other questions, you let me know. John, John Stott said this. Pride is your greatest enemy. Humility is your greatest friend. And you notes, write this down. Boasting and bragging of one's accomplishments is not only repulsive, but it feeds pride in our lives. However, there is a boasting that the Bible recommends. There is a good boasting. Not all boasting is bad. Say that with me. Not all boasting is bad. There's a good boasting that the Bible talks about. And it's not about you. It's about him. We are called to boast in the Lord. Now, you know, one of the things that I love to do sometimes is uh, some people will talk, ask me questions about my dad and, and how he got to Hawaii and, and his story. And, and, and it's amazing how he went there with absolutely nothing. In fact, we lived in a tent on the beach for the first three months. That was all that we had. And he ended, by now, he had a multi-million dollar business, had grown and thrived. And I like to boast on that. Look at what you did, Dad. Look at what you did. How great is that? How many of you know that we want to boast in our Father, our spiritual heavenly Father who has done so much for us? Here's a good example of boasting the right way. Um, in, in, in 1789, well, this is actually the wrong way, but I want to contrast it with the right way. In 1789, John Jacques Rousseau, he was one of the uh, first uh, Enlightenment thinkers. In fact, it was his life that led to the French Revolution. He wrote a book, and it was called Confessions. And he wrote a dedication in that book. Listen to the dedication. It's to me with the admiration I owe myself. Now, he, didn't, he couldn't just stop there. Listen to his first line. I have entered upon a performance which is without example, whose accomplishment will have no imitator. I mean to present my fellow mortals with a man in all the integrity of nature, and this man shall be myself. <laughs> Confessions, 1789. Now, how many of you, when you heard the book title Confessions, it rang a bell? Because in the 4th century, there was... A book called Confessions, and it was written by Augustine. In fact, it's where Rousseau stole the title, was from Augustine. Now, listen to the very first line that Augustine writes, and it comes out of the book of Psalms. It says this, great thou art, and greatly to be praised. You can't contrast the two anymore, can you? One was boasting in himself, the other understood that all boasting belongs to God. That his boasting was in God. Now, as much as we admire Augustine's humility, um, Rousseau's words are much more familiar in our society, isn't it? It sounds a lot more like our social media today. You, you scan whether it's Instagram, Snapchat, and, or, or, or Facebook, and what you'll find is a whole lot of what? Boasting. A whole lot of selfies. A whole lot about me. And look what I have or look what I've done. I, I wish that I myself could live more of an Augustinian life than a Rousseau life. Paul would put it this way in 1 Corinthians 10. But let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one who the Lord commends. 
I can say all I want about myself, and that doesn't commend me. It's the Lord who is going to commend me. It's the Lord who is going to commend you. It's the Lord, not yourself. We might say it this way. You won't validate you. God will validate you. When I try to puff myself up, when I try to take a pedestal that I don't belong sitting upon, all I'm doing is invalidating all that God has done. If I want the validation of God, then I will put my boast in him. If I want to see him get bigger, then I've got to get smaller. Rather than declaring our greatness, we need to desire God's greatness. Instead of promoting ourselves, our focus should be to promote God. And this is where we're going to find ourselves in 2 Kings chapter 20 today. Because listen to this. Here's the truth. You may not think that pride can touch you. You may not think today that arrogance can get a toehold into your life. But I'm here to promise you, every single one of us sitting in here today can be susceptible to pride and arrogance if we're not careful. This is not just a message. You see, some of us, some of us sit here and think, no, there's no way. There's no way I will be arrogant like that. There's no way I'll be prideful. And you'll think to yourself, this sermon is not any good for me, but thank God it's going to be good for the person sitting next to me. Thank you, Lord. Listen, this sermon is going to be for every single one of us in here, myself absolutely included, all of us. Because what we're going to see is the life of a man who loved God passionately. We're going to see the life of a man who loved God deeply. His name was Hezekiah. And yet Hezekiah, because he did not protect his heart, found himself moving in a place of arrogance, in a place of pride, in a place of boasting that cost him way too much. Listen to what the Holy Spirit through the author said about Hezekiah. In in chapter 18, verse 1 said this, that Hezekiah did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. And then in verse 5, the Holy Spirit goes on to say this about Hezekiah. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. How many of you say that, that that's some pretty big Holy Spirit props right there, right? I mean, no one was as good as this king of Judah before or after. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I'd be okay having that as my legacy statement from the Holy Spirit. What about you? But even one who was labeled like that is going to find himself in trouble. In fact, listen to what Hezekiah's life is like, okay? Hezekiah's life, it's good. It's blessed. In fact, he's king of Judah. He's sitting on the throne. He has gold, silver, spices. He has all the stuff that man could hopefully even want to, even think of wanting at that time. And, and not only that, he is spared um, death. Isaiah will come to King Hezekiah and he'll tell Hezekiah, get your stuff in order. Um, you're going to die. And Hezekiah cries out to the Lord, and he says, spare my life. And and the Lord tells Isaiah, go back to Hezekiah and tell him, I'm giving you 15 more years of life. Talk about being blessed, right? How many of you would be blessed by that? If you're on your deathbed, and the Lord says, no, I'm going to give you 15 more years of life. That's that's being blessed, right? And, And Hezekiah says, well, hey, can you give me a sign? 
And, 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 and the sign would be this. Can, can you stop the sun for an hour? And so that's where we get daylight savings time from. It was from, from <laughs> Second Kings. Chapter 20, I think. Um, and, and, and so the Lord validates the promise. So he has riches, he has title, and, and he has his health. Pretty good, right? How many of you know that there's a danger, though? Listen, let me, let me ask you something. Take a quick second and, and, and think about all the ways that God has blessed you. Begin to do that right now. And then... And then don't, don't say it out loud, but ask yourself this. Have you ever found that the blessings of God have become a source of pride for you? When you look at your finances and you, wow, God has blessed me. And then all of a sudden you start to think, I'm the one that actually did this. Maybe you look at your job or whatever it is in your position that you have your job. And God has blessed you with that. But maybe there's a part of you that all of a sudden say, well, look what I did. That's what happened to Hezekiah. Let's, let's, let's check this out. Starting in verse, um, verse 12. Chapter 20, verse 12. It says, At that time, Marduk Baladan, son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent Hezekiah letters and a gift, because he had heard of Hezekiah's illness. Hezekiah received the envoys and showed them all that was in his storehouse, the silver, the gold, the spices, and the fine oil. His armory and everything among his treasures. There was nothing in his palace or in all this kingdom that King Hezekiah did not show them. Then Isaiah the prophet went to King Hezekiah and asked, What did those men say and where did they come from? From a distant land, Hezekiah replied, they came from Babylon. And the prophet asked, What did they see in your palace? They saw everything where? In my palace, Hezekiah said, there's nothing among what? My treasures that I did not show them. What he did not do is he did not say this. He did not say, I showed them everything that God has blessed us with. I showed them everything that God has blessed the nation of Judah with. I showed them all that. You don't know. What did he say? I showed them all of my stuff. Every bit of my stuff. All that I have done, essentially is what he's saying, all that I've become, all my glory, I showed them. And it's amazing in that moment, Hezekiah had a moment of spiritual amnesia. You know, Hezekiah's name in the Hebrew means God is my strength. And he had forgotten his own name. In that moment, he had forgotten his own name. May we never be a people who forget our name. Sons and daughters of the living God. The one who sustains us, upholds us, and directs us. I, Hezekiah, Hezekiah had forgotten his step, and he'd forgotten his way. And again, please, 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 if, don't think for a moment that you can't too. If Hezekiah can, Jeremy can. If Hezekiah can, you can. Now let's look what happened in verse um, Let's, let's go on to the next verse. It says this. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord. The time will surely come with everything, when everything in your palace and all that your predecessors have stored up until this day will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. And some of your descendants, 
Listen to this. And some of your descendants, your own flesh and blood who will be born to you, will be taken away and they will become eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. That's a bad day. I mean, that's a not so good day. The word of the Lord you have spoken is good, Hezekiah replied. For he thought, will there not be peace and security in my lifetime? He said out loud, the word of the Lord is good. And you can interpret that any way you want to. That can sound like a positive, like he's just resigned to what God is going to do. But the thought, which he did not speak out loud, was all about him. His arrogance and his pride had consumed him to the point that he didn't even care what happened to those who followed him. Not even his own household. Do you see how pride can become so toxic in our life? Just as that puffer fish can kill 30 people, Hezekiah, because of his pride, who was once a man that was just, just so hard, fast, and straightforward and passionate about God, became a man who really could care less about what happened to others. That's what arrogance does. Now, with the time that we have remaining, we're going to quickly go through your notes. Write this down. Uh, what happens when we boast in ourselves instead of boasting in the Lord? When we boast in ourselves, pride grows. But when we boast in the Lord, humility grows. When we boast in ourselves, pride grows. But when we boast in the Lord, humility grows. Number two, write this down. When we boast in ourselves, we promote ourselves. But when we boast in the Lord, He promotes us. Third thing I want you to know is this. When we boast in ourselves, we draw the applause of others. But when we boast in the Lord, we draw the applause of heaven. Let me ask you, which applause is better? Can I, can I tell you that the applause of man, it's, uh, it, it, it's here today and it's gone tomorrow. You, you know this old saying, today you can be in the penthouse, tomorrow you can be in the outhouse. As men are fickle. People are fickle. They can, they can say you're great one day and the next day all those accolades are gone. But when we're boasting in the Lord, those accolades and the applause of heaven resound throughout eternity. Number four, when we boast in ourselves, we get bigger in our own eyes. But when we boast in the Lord, he gets bigger in our lives. See, our job is to have the voice of John the Baptist where he said, I must decrease and he must what? He must increase. I got to get smaller and God has to get bigger. Because when I make God bigger, these are the things that, that happen. We're blessed. We find ourselves in intimacy with God. When I make God bigger in my life, I hear his voice clearer. I have more faith in what he's doing. Because I don't have faith in my core. I might, listen to me. I might, I might come across as, as a real big man in my boasting about myself. But at my core... Just like everybody in this world, I know I'm incapable. I'm incapable. I'm incapable of doing much. I know that I know that I know. Just like you know that you know that you know. You're dependent upon God. And he has to show up. That's what happens when we make our boast in the Lord. This is what happens. How do we do that? How do we make God bigger? Listen, write this down in your notes. When you first wake up before your feet hit the floor, boast in the Lord. Before your feet hit the floor, boast in the Lord. Lord convicted me on this one uh, just some time ago. First thing I would do when I woke up in the morning is I'd grab my, 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 my cell phone. And the first thing I would look is, is to see who won the game last night. And the second thing I would look is I would go to like some news 
you know, and, and, and see, was there any big news over the night? And the third thing I would look at is the Bible app. And the Lord said, why are you putting me third? Why are you putting me third? And there was such a conviction that the first thing I need to do before I hit the floor is to put God in his place. And that's the biggest thing in my life, to make him big. How else do we do it? Well, the second thing we do is we look for God at work to identify opportunities to boast in the Lord. Where do you see God working in your life? Look for those places that God is working for your life and then intentionally tell God stories. I love God stories. God stories are the great stories. I could sit across from an individual who is on a monologue about God stories all day long. Those things I don't have to walk with. I don't, I don't worry about my expired milk at home. It's the kind of stories we tell. Stories about us. Stories about him. C.S. Lewis said this. As long as you are proud, you cannot know God. He said a proud man is always looking down on things and on people. And of course... As long as you are looking down, you can't see what's above you. Isn't that profound? As long as we're looking down, we can't see what's above us. <laughs> Every thrill that my son experienced riding those waves was because he had his dad with him. Every thrill you're going to experience in this crazy, cool, wonderful adventure called life is going to be because your father is with you. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget that for two reasons as we conclude this morning. Reason number one, because you never want to become or finish, I should say. You never want to finish like Hezekiah. And number two, when I recognize that my father is with me, all fear is gone. Isaiah 41, 13. We'll close with this. For I am the Lord your God. Think of the Father now. Who takes hold of your right hand. And says to you, do not fear. For I will help you. If you don't remember anything that I said today. Remember this. You cannot limit yourself faster than lying to yourself about how great you are and how small he is. Lord, we thank you that you are great and that you are greatly to be praised. Lord, we thank you that it's you who move mountains. It is you who brings life to us. It is you, Father, that is the source of benevolence, sustenance, all that we have and all that we are. Father, we repent. Even if we have somehow, without knowing it, puffed ourselves up too much. Where we have elevated ourselves to a place, Lord, that, um, that belongs to you and only you. Lord, I thank you that you don't call us to hang our heads low and act like we're nothing. Uh, Father, we're worth so much, so much that you would die for us. But let us never forget that you and you alone are God and that you and you alone are worthy of praise and that you and you alone we boast in. And if you agree with me this morning, would you say amen?
For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.